Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. All right, now, Anthony, that's a killing groove right there, isn't it? That is a bad groove. That is a soul fest groove right there, man. Come on, just let it keep rolling, right? Come on now. You know, I'm going to tell you something. You know, you know this as a songwriter, man. But those first eight bars of a song, you know, twelve bars of a song, man. You, you, you better set the hook. They can mean everything, right? Yeah. You got to like okay. So like for me, mm-hmm. like uh, I think about um, probably the my favorite opening eight or whatever twelve bars of a song mm-hmm. uh, is um, uh, the Rolling Stones' uh, "Tumbling Dice." You know? Do you know the opening? You know the oh, opening? Oh yeah! Is? Oh yeah! Oh my lord! Oh my lord! If you, I'm just telling you right now. If you hear that groove and you don't stand up and and start like your butt wiggling, right, right, and like you doing the chicken dance or something, Something's like you are dead. dead. No one has told you to lay down. That's the only problem. You are dead. <laughs> lay down. Uh, do you got what? Do you, you got an opening of a song? Uh, I'd say uh, Prince's "Kiss." Oh, just the opening line. <laughs> That wasn't exactly the way that sounds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I that was think... two white guys trying to imitate the 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 prince, right? I mean, the prince. Good golly, Miss Molly. Well, so today <clears throat> on the show, mm-hmm. we actually have uh, the artist who's that's the opening groove to one of her one of her one of her songs. title track, right? Yeah, it's title track to her record, uh, one more song, and it is the inimitable and storied uh, artist Ashley Cleveland. Oh, yeah, the legendary Ashley Cleveland, an artist artist, as we like to say here in Nashville, right? Oh, man. She has got a story, and we're going to hear it today. She's a she's an Enneagram 4, and even though, like, okay, we're going to talk about 4s a little bit, but but really, you know, we, we start talking about all kinds of things. You know, we, we, we talk about recovery. We talk about, like, how every number, we, and we talk about every single number and what it has to do to, to recover from its compulsions and addictions, you mm-hmm. know, because every number has one. Everybody's right. got them, right? right? It's not just, you know, people with substance abuse. Everyone's got their compulsions and addictions, and every type does. And so we go through That's all. Right. So anyway, this is, you know what I thought of today when we were doing this interview? Who? Patty Smith. You know, I had that same feeling as the two of you were talking today. Right? Yeah. I mean, I just kept thinking, I feel like I'm kind of interviewing sort of a, a stateswoman, mm. you know, who is uh, giving expression to really deep ideas, oh, man. you know, with <laughs> real maturity. So for those of you who don't know her, um, Ashley debuted on Atlantic Records in 1991. She was uh, really beloved by Ahmed Erdogan, the founder of Atlantic. Mm. He just, he loved her. Uh, she's had nine big records. She's had three Grammys for best rock gospel album. I mean, come on. Would you like to have three Grammys on your, oh my on your bookshelf? Yeah. Right? She's got, uh, she's been nominated uh, in, in that category, and she's the only woman to win it th- that award three times. Wow. Yeah, she's been nominated for six Dove Awards, 
and and won it twice. Three of her records uh, have been on Billboard's best year-end list. I mean, the whole, I mean, all of her, you know, accomplishments, uh, you know, it's, it's too long. She's an author. She wrote a beautiful memoir a number of years back called Little Black Sheep. I remember reading it in, in a galley form and, you know, I had a couple moments, man, where I just really cried. Wow. Over, over her story. And, you know, that opening groove right there? It is emblematic of who she is, man. Because you know what? I'm just telling you, right? Like, she got that raspy. Absolutely. She got that Janice thing going oh, on. Oh, man. She totally does. Right? <clears throat> I mean, she's, she's, she's a, a remarkable. Force. She is a force. Yeah. It's so like I said, uh, yeah. Ashley's a four. We're going to talk a little bit about the, what it, what it's like to be a four and, and, you know, all that stuff. But, man, I'm telling you, we get into other stuff that's uh, just for everybody, and it goes deep. Well, again, everybody, this is a great show. I know you're going to get a lot from it, but let's not dally any longer. Here's my interview with Ashley Cleveland. Ashley Cleveland, welcome to Typology. Thank you, Ian. Good to sit across the table from you. Well, I don't remember where we met, only that I'm glad we did. It, it was about eight or nine years ago. may have been through Steve Taylor, or I'm just not sure who, but I'm just glad we did. I can tell you the first time I laid eyes on you, oh. I think. So uh, you were, I went to St. Bartholomew's, and you were giving the homily at an Ash Wednesday service. And um, it was the day that I realized that as a tactile human being, I needed to leave the church I was at and get my tail to a liturgical church. It's like, what is wrong with you? I I, I was a, a liturgist who had never gone to a liturgical church and so there was something and I that's I, that service is just etched in my mind because every gesture was so beautiful and so meaningful to me I just sobbed through the whole thing and and you were great but it wasn't that you know compelling it was like it was the thing mm-hmm. it was that thing that comes mm-hmm. down on you so Anyway, but I loved what you said, and I could also tell that that uh, there were similarities in our life. I identified with so much that you said. So mm. I didn't know that story, and I'm so glad I know it now because it's uh, it kind of elevates my spirit to know that uh, some things that uh, that you do unwittingly have effect. You know, on lives. I kind of think that you know it's all of the unwitting stuff that matters the most. It's like if I'm in on it. I'll wreck it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, yes. Amen. And yes. Get out of the way of your own flow, man. Just get out of the way. You know, I'm also excited because you're not only a great, you know, singer and songwriter, really with a storied career, and you're a beautiful prose writer, um, you know your books, which we'll talk about in a moment, are Thanks. are exquisite. The writing is exquisite. You. Um, but you're also a student of the Enneagram, and, and I am. Yeah, and for a bunch of years. Uh, and so, just tell our folks just a little bit about how that came about, and and how you've developed, how you've become an Enneagram scholar of sorts. 
Well, scholar really may be a stretch, but it's first of all, I uh, I've only really kind of gotten into it in the last year and a half, and I just I took a course that was uh, well, it was Suzanne's course, and I you know it was a, a, just a video course. I was in a group of people, and there were two things I, I loved being exposed to the Enneagram. And the other thing that I really loved, I mean, is that I'm, I'm 61. And so I'm at this certain place in my life. And almost other than the facilitator, everybody else was young. Mm. And so there are all these other couples, and I'm married to a five. And so, of course, he said within three days, I'm not telling anything to people that I don't know and quit the class. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that's perfect. It was perfect. And so I went kind of on my own. But I loved hearing from these young people that had a totally different place in life and a perspective that was different. And... um, and their experience of discovering their number was so different. Like one woman ended up, I mean, it was kind of cataclysmic for her. She, she realized she was a two surrounded by ones, including her husband, and has since ended her marriage. Oh. And it wasn't, she doesn't credit the Enneagram for that, but I think there was some clarification that came to her in a way that was helpful to her, mm-hmm. that she needed. And so there was a lot of emotional content in the mm-hmm. room, which as a four, I'm drawn. I mean, you know, if you put emotion in the room, I'm on my way. So, you know, it was it was great. I, uh, and, and then I enjoyed it so much that I took another course from different people and then another course from a dear friend who who really uh, is is a scholar, and then now I'm doing the Richard Rohr mm-hmm. video series, just to, which is fascinating too. So I, but I just all it's kind of for the love. Mm-hmm. I don't have any goals with it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm no one's idea of a teacher, but mm-hmm. I am a, a good student. Yeah. So. Okay, so you just spoke about a woman who had this sort of cataclysmic kind of revelation, right? This mm-hmm. sort of seismic epiphany. Yeah. How about you? Did you have any seismic epiphanies when you learned you were a four, an individualist? Well, yes, I had a bunch, but it was over time. The first, the first real problem I had was figuring out my number. Mm. And that was, it was really divided between a one, because I do tend towards that perfection and towards absolute structure in my life, Mm -hmm. and a four. And it was difficult for me to, to figure it out. And it was, it was sort of, it was the detail of the numbers that ended up clarifying. So by that, I mean, it was the stances, because I Mm. definitely am a person who will withdraw. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the one is in, you know, is in a dependent stance, and I am as independent as they come. So that was a real telling thing. And that whole idea of, you kind of figure out your number based on your motivation. Mm-hmm. And so 
I um, I have to say at the end of the day, being an individualist was a stronger motivation than anything I, mm. else I had. And, and so, how would you articulate the motivation of, a, of an individualist? Well, it has its upside and its downside. And mm. that, so the way I would articulate it is that I, um, I really revel in not being like other people. Mm. And, you know, and, and I kind of, you know, the circumstances of my life conspired towards that in that, you know, I, uh, my parents, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, I was born, which is a third largest city in Tennessee, but it's, it has a town mentality in that everybody knew everybody. And, my parents split up when I was young, and I ended up growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, which might as well have been Mars for for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm this kid from Tennessee, and um, so I being an outsider was something that I fully understood by the time I was in third grade. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't when I had an opportunity not to be an outsider. I didn't really take it. Mm-hmm. You know, I sort of had already cultivated my own path. Mm-hmm. So I think where, and I, you know, I think where the individualist becomes a challenge for me is I am a recovering person. I'm in two different 12 step programs. And one of the great tenets of recovery is is you know is this invitation out of the isolation of thinking we are the only ones nobody else is doing this uh you know any kind of addictive behavior leads to isolation so in the course of a recovered life you become a friend among friends a worker among workers Mm -hmm. a, a a person among persons. It's a level playing field. You're not higher. You're not lower. And I want to be the visiting artist. Oh yeah. I want to be the guest artist. Oh, I want yeah. to be the one on the platform. Yeah. So it has been really hard. Yeah. For me, much harder than I care to admit to just roll in as a friend among friends right. and not to do something that sort of, you know, I have a. I really work at not flexing that individualist card that that mm-hmm. let me be set apart mm-hmm. over here instead of working towards just yeah. being in the mix. Well, you know, it's funny because that, of course, uh, being in recovery is something that we share in common. Mm-hmm. Um, I have 30 years. You have how many years? I have 20 years of sobriety, and then I've been in uh, 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 kind of the sister program uh, for about seven, Al-Anon. Al-Anon's great, isn't it? It's it's like a PhD. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a PhD for us addicts, you know, because then we really have to learn principles and minding our own business and allowing yeah. other people to have their lives and their, yeah. you know, yeah. all the things that... And not trying to get them to organize <laughs> their lives around our priorities. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, That's so I I, um, I was thinking as you were, you were just talking um, about my journey as a four uh, in recovery and, and 
it was hard for me to hear that I was just as my first sponsor said, another bozo on the bus. Yes. You know? And yeah, you just flinch and yeah. think, you don't know me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> except, but, you know, and, you know, that that, as you said, really flew in the face of the underlying motivation of a four, which is to be special and unique in right. order to really compensate for what we perceive to be a missing piece in our essential mm-hmm. makeup, some kind mm-hmm. of, I love what Beatrice Chestnut calls it, the unredeemable deficiency. Right. So I was listening to your new record this morning, which I love. Um, and I just Thank want to you. encourage everybody, I'm going to do it again during the show, but I'm going to say it right now, one more song, Ashley Cleveland is fantastic. Um, and... I listened to the opening of the number. The first cut on the record is uh, called Way Out of No Way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is this autobiographical song. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm, I'll let you touch on that. But the chorus really struck me, you know, where where you talk about, um, you know, you heard a way. I think you were talking about probably watching the Beatles on. Was it, it was the, actually the Rolling Stones. Oh. I was watching Ed Sullivan on a tiny little black and white TV right? in the 60s. And, um, and well, it of was course the, it would Rolling be the Rolling Stones. Stones. And I'm sitting there. I'm, I mean, I'm like this hillbilly kid in Knoxville <laughs> with <laughs> nothing to brag about, you know, at this point. And um, I, but. I heard something that I understood, even as a child, the music. And mm-hmm. I I thought, I don't know how you get to do that. Because music and rock and roll was much more mysterious and out there somewhere mm-hmm. than it is these days. Yeah. But I don't know how you get to do that, but I'm on my way. Yeah, well, you were. <laughs> and then you signed a record deal with Ahmed Ernigan, found you, I right? Did. And took you up on, on Atlantic Records. That was 1991, right? Mm-hmm. As I recall. But... Yes. In this, in this, and the lyrics in this song, in that chorus, you know, you talk about, uh, uh, she heard a way, she heard a way, she heard a way, way out of no way. And I thought, well, that sounds fourish. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, what is, what is the way out of no way? What was no way to you that you needed to get out of? Well, I was born into a alcoholic dynasty. So both my parents Did you just were, call that an alcoholic dynasty? Yes, I did. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I did too, but I've never had that phrase, and I will use it forever now. Please, have at it. And so my parents were both alcoholics, uh, and then I later became one. But I, I just think everything things were not looking good for me from day one (laughs) and they got progressively worse. So it just thought, you know, there's no way I'm going to overcome any of this. It just, Mm. I just, I didn't, I don't see myself as an overcomer. I don't even like that word. So I thought, how am I going to live? You know, when I was old enough to be cognitive, about really what condition my condition was in, I thought, you know, I have no idea if I'll live through this, let mm-hmm. alone have a life, mm-hmm. let alone get to do the thing that I think I might be born to do, mm-hmm. which is, you know, be an artist. Yeah. So. And boy, when you read the lists that, you know, other teachers, uh, on, you know, sort of list out who they think, whether they, who they speculate would be a particular type. And you read the list of fours, and it's pretty depressing, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Kurt Cobain, mm-hmm. Sylvia right. Plath, right. Uh, you know, the list can go on and, you yeah. know. Just- Thomas Merton either. I mean, you know, and I just think, I love that Merton prayer where he says, Lord, I have no idea where mm-hmm. I'm going. And, and you know, and talks about, I, uh, 
the fact that I think that I'm following your will mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I'm doing so. But at the end of the prayer, he says, I'll trust in you always, you know, because I know you'll never leave me uh, uh, to, to face my perils alone. And I thought... I wonder if it would have ever occurred to him that he would have died of electrocution. Right. Writing these, I mean, you know, it's like we don't know where we're going. We don't, and in some ways, that's a nice way to go out. It's like, boom, right. you're gone. Mm-hmm. But in other ways, I I just think, wow, we we really don't know where we're going, and it is such a precarious world. Oh, and yeah. um, so, anyway, I'm. I, kind of go down rabbit trails but. no but I, but I, so what i hear you saying about way out of no way was you know here you were you perceived in a in a world in which you perceived that you were just going to be stuck in forever right there was there was there was no way out right well yeah too and 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 you know drugs and alcohol were an issue yeah but what, mean, from what age uh, well, I started drinking when I was uh, 16, and then I started using probably around 17 or 18. Mm. So then, and then I had a good run with mm-hmm. that. And um, I was probably hospitalized in my late 20s, mm-hmm. stayed sober for a few, about seven years. And then when I got married, I was, I relapsed off and on for another six. So. Mm-hmm. So I've had a very up and down, but now I I, I feel kind of devoted to the the recovered life, or not even kind of, pretty devoted. Yeah. And um, and I, I just I love being part of it. Yeah. You know? And and it has become my life in many ways. Yeah. So I, I think that makes a difference. Yep, it sure does. You know, abandonment and loss. I'm just listening to your your story of childhood, and I think one of the things that is true, of uh, actually all three numbers, twos, threes, and fours in the heart triad, mm-hmm. but particularly for fours, mm-hmm. it are is the issues of abandonment and loss, mm-hmm. abandonment and loss, um, and usually about something in the past. You know, some mm-hmm. abandon, some suffering, some loss that that really the fours attention just is just gripped by it, you know, and they're always looking over their shoulder, typically at the past and this moment of loss and stuff. How does that play out for you? Well, I think, you know, I don't have as much a sense of being abandoned as I do of something's missing in mm, me right so it's it's more that and i have certainly abandoned myself mm-hmm. you know in yeah. a way that uh but i also being a broken person i am comfortable with brokenness mm-hmm. and i'm not only comfortable with my brokenness i am somebody that can sit in a deep well with other people and 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 be okay with that. I can be with the broken. And that, to me, is a real gift. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... And not everybody in in this triad, like my son is a three. And, um, and he's the sweetest young man. But I, I remember once um, 
I had a dog that I that was like one of my deep soul dogs, and uh, she died suddenly. She was only six, and we'd gone out to dinner to re- celebrate my son's graduation from, from high school, and we came home and she was dead. It was mm. just that fast, and. I was there with with two of my kids, and I came completely off the rails in a way that I don't know that he'd seen me do. Um, but I I noticed that he literally left the house and walked around the neighborhood till he thought I had calmed down. He was so unable to sit in that level of grief. And now, kind of having had an education about threes, at the time, it, it, you know, it hurt me. It was like my my beloved son. It, you know, why wasn't he? Why wasn't he more comforting? He just left. <laughs> he I mean, I, I really I looked upon it as a black mark against him and. But now I realize he is not, he cannot sit with that kind of emotion Mm -hmm. in the room. It's just not, it's too much. And um, whereas for me, if somebody's coming off the rails, I'm probably the best person to be in the room. Mm. I can be there and and I can also not absorb it. I can just be there with it. That's interesting. I, I, you know, I would count that as one of my gifts and, that there's a, and without any, I don't feel any compulsion to fix it either. Like right, I'm great at right. sitting shiva. Right, right, exactly. You know, yes. I'll make the tea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. That's about as much as I do. You know. Yeah, and it is a tremendous gift. So, you know, I don't. But here's the interesting thing about you know, because I get that thing about looking backwards. And and certainly, I've spent a good bit of my life trying to make sense of my life. But it, but the, but the, here's the other thing. I, you know, in in my artistic life, so much of what I write about, both musically and in in my books, is looking back too, is memoir driven, mm-hmm. or you know, about a place in time that meant something to me or that I felt it was in some way formative. There's a lot of that on this new record. So it's all of these things, you know, it's like anything else, the blessing and the curse. Yeah, totally. Side by side, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I've written a memoir and I, and songs, my, you know, like I said earlier, you know, every, actually every number on the Enneagram has a different relationship to time. And fours, for sure, live in the past. As I, I just said that a few moments ago, but it's really important that people understand it. Right. Um, that we actually are kind of addicted to our suffering. That we mm-hmm. we and we're always again trying to figure out where did where did we lose the missing piece? How did it happen? Mm-hmm. We're just in, constantly mm-hmm. mulling it. So, and then you know, of course, that can generate lots of inspiration and get you in touch with deep places out of which come books and songs right. that move people or can kill you, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> so I remember I was uh, working on uh, The Road Back to You and I was sitting in a chair typing away and I was I had Spotify on or something, you know, and what comes on the air? Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> you know, this whole thing. Or was it maybe it was Jackson Brown's, you know, these days, you know, that would get yeah. me too, you know? Yeah. And 
I'll right away, my mind starts going up into my imagination mm. and I'm going back in time and trying to figure out where the shame came from, you know, blah, mm. blah, blah. And I'm mm. thinking, I'm thinking. And because mm. of the Enneagram, you know, my like a little flag went up and I said, um, does this help? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is a great question. That is a great question to ask yourself at any given point. Yeah. Is this and, helpful? <laughs> yeah. And... um yeah, or the question from the garden, which is, where are you? Mm. You know, and and at that moment, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? right? right. And I had to go from four to the high side of one, which is where mm. we go in health, and say to myself, you know, you may want to just come back to the present and get something done <laughs> and do it well and finish it rather than going off into this place of reverie and, and kind right. of twisted nostalgia, you know? Um, where nothing gets done and I'm not healthy at all. Right. Or you're just self-flagellating or some kind of version of that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And I, you know, and the other thing about it is it was kind of comforting to, you know, to kind of understand, like, the relationship between the four and the one and and. And see that, you know, so much of, in my own recovered life, structure is a huge piece mm-hmm. of that. And um, and just some of those qualities really help. It's funny. It's like, I do not want to be an ordinary person, but I have no problem doing ordinary things. Mm. You know, I mean, I love order and, you know, I like just having kind of a, a structured day and and things that that is really around ordinary kind of personal and life maintenance things and career maintenance things that in and of themselves are kind of just mundane but they you know they get they get you down the road so mm-hmm. yeah. it was nice to see that I mean, I think if I, you know, they say if you have trouble finding your number, go back to how you were in your 20s. That might be more telling. If you can remember If them. you can remember. <laughs> if they're not slurry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the old slurry 20s. Um, but it was nice to see at 61, it's like, oh, part of the reason I'm having trouble figuring this out is that I'm better. Mm. You know? And, that, and that's what we, I mean, progress. In, in our lives. That's right. lovely. Oh, I'm, man. I'm so thankful. Yeah. So you said something earlier I want to circle back to because I think it would be mm-hmm. so helpful for people. You, you you mentioned you had trouble finding your number, and mm-hmm. so many people do. I get mm-hmm. like hundreds of emails from people who say, can you help me to fi- find my number? It's so complex. Like, it is complex. And I always tell people, look, it's not a failure on the part of the Enneagram or a particular teacher. It's right. just that it can be Yes. It's a, it can be a journey and, right. uh, you know, enjoy it right. while you're looking. Don't, right. you know, don't, you know, consider yourself a failure, you know, but you mentioned, you know, well, when you can't identify your number pretty quickly, you can go to stances mm-hmm. and maybe sort of figure it out from there. And sometimes I'll say subtypes or instinctual variants can be another way, right. but I want you to tell people about stances and how they, how they helped you. Okay, well, you're the expert, so please feel free to flesh out. No, no, because I don't. Go ahead. So I am in a withdrawing stance, mm-hmm. and what that means in in my life is that my initial reaction 
to any kind of certainly in conflict or any any where I'm feeling some resistance but in general my place in the world is is I tend to retreat mm-hmm. and so what that looks like for me is I'm introverted I really I love solitude I um, I kind of thrive in that environment. As long as I don't turn it into isolation, mm-hmm. I thrive in that. And um, but also uh, with a withdrawing stance, kind of the downside of that is that sometimes I withdraw when I need to engage. The other side is that I tend to, uh, you know, we tend to be not as doing oriented mm-hmm. which that was another thing that really tripped me up because i thought what are you talking about i do stuff all day from the minute my eyes fly open till i'm done with the day mm-hmm. i'm doing stuff but the thing that really helped me there was um the uh facilitator said well let me ask you this is it productive doing or mm-hmm. are you just doing yeah and i thought well define productive (laughs) (laughs) but you know and what i realized is sometimes so you know i've made my living uh writing and performing music and i cannot tell you the number of times where i've really needed to put time in as a songwriter, and I think, oh, I'm going to do the dishes and or and laundry. No, this floor needs mopping, or I'm going to go outside and walk the dogs, or I'm going to go. So I'm doing things which in and of themselves are very positive, but am I doing the thing that I really should be doing that might actually generate income? Um, no. So the putting that word productive in front mm-hmm. of the doing was very helpful. The other two stances, there's the dependent stance, which I can go to, I go to in not health or, or you know, I go to a two. Yeah. And I and for me, what that looks like is I become entirely too concerned with what I think other people might be thinking of me mm-hmm. or wanting to impress people or what have you. But um, my understanding of the dependent stances is they tend to define their value based on, you know, other people Mm -hmm. and are not Mm self-contained. And then the other stance is the aggressive stance. Right. And... They they have no problem doing and coming and stepping forward. I think, you know, sensitivity and stepping back are harder for mm-hmm. them. So mm-hmm. feel free to. No, I think it's you know you're you're getting right at it. And I I you know as you said you know ones twos and sixes are in that compliant you know right. dependent stance right, um, and. You know, their focus is more on the people around them, right, rather than themselves, uh, like with the assertive types. Now, the assertive types are three, sevens, and eights, right? They're the most assertive numbers on uh, on the Enneagram. And these are folks who move against, you know, they're, they're the moving against dance. And they're very much focused on acting, 
mm-hmm. in, a, in a manner to get what they want. Right. You know, to get what they want. Uh, and they're, they think about what they want and then they just act to get it, you know, in ways. And they go right at people. And I, and I don't mean that necessarily aggressive in a negative way. It's mm-hmm. just their energy goes right at you, you right. know, confidently right. comes right at you. Yes. And then fours, fives, and nines, those three numbers, is, you know, we're in that withdrawing stance um, and we move away from people. Right. Um, and I, and what's amazing to me is for me as a four, I can move away from people and they won't even know it. Like inside. Like, yes. Uh, I can sometimes go to the corner of the party and be quiet. You know what I mean? Like, and just kind of like not feel mm-hmm. like I fit in or belong and just sit there and be awkward. But most of the time I can, sometimes I can talk to you like mm-hmm. a three mm-hmm. while on the inside be feeling like, I, this is, ah, <laughs> You know, I do not belong here. You know, if they knew, you know, if they, and I'm just working hard to not show them the missing piece, you know, the whole time. And as you said, sometimes you're having trouble finding your number. It's like drop another lens. Like when they test your eyes for vision, you know, is this clear? And you go, all right, so which are you? Are you somebody who is withdrawing? Are you someone who is assertive? Right. Or are you somebody who's dependent and more compliant uh, or more dependent on other people? Now we're going to get you down to three numbers. Which is so helpful. Because yes. a lot of times the two numbers that you are you feel caught between actually conflict with one another. Or they don't fall yes. into the same category yep. at all. So yep. it, it, that, and which was really true for me with four and one. Yep. So it was like, okay, uh, there's no question yep. that I withdraw. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I... Again, I just encourage people, you know, you can look up uh, Hornevian groups or dependent, you know, look up stances, subtypes, anything that will get you down underneath just the basic description of type to really getting more depth uh, of under, maybe a more three-dimensional or 3D way of seeing the type. And if you're having trouble finding your number, that might seem to deal. For me, it was a subtype, but for uh, lots of other people, it's going to be stances and I, so i think that's a really cool cool thing to to have brought up so um one of the questions i wanted to ask you was um where in your life now in your recovery in your spiritual growth as a person how how does the enneagram fit into it like how how is a tool is it working for you i think you know I mean, my experience of of recovery, but also my experience of just living life, you know, kind of on a spiritually driven basis, is we have to start where we are, which seems self-evident. But if you have trouble, like I have had, just accepting yourself, you know, I, I'm I'm very aware that so much of my, uh, you know, self improvement plans have been me entering the room thinking I'm somebody else other than what I am, and so mm-hmm. when I behave in a way that doesn't fit that description that I've kind of come up with, I you know I'm back to square one because then I start drowning in shame again. It's you know you're trying to wrestle these things to the ground, mm-hmm. and I think f- for one of my fascinations or one of my one of the things that has really kind of captured my attention with the enneagram um, 
is this notion, I, I think I thought that even though we all express ourselves really differently and we play out our lives in different ways, I kind of was under the impression that on the inside, everybody was kind of the same. Mm. And nothing could be further from the truth. Mm. And so this has really clarified that for me. And and I recognize, too, that the things... Now I can even even laugh at things about myself that used to just make me crazy Mm. just because I know I'm kind of wired this way I have a pre I'm predisposed to approach certain things or to come in the room with a certain attitude and certainly you know it's you can get into that nature nurture thing and I don't know how that all fits in I know that the that it's in my nature, but also the circumstances of my life certainly helped me develop right. this yeah, fed nature. Right, the wrong wolf. Yes, yes I know. Certainly, thank yeah. you. So anyway, I, it it helps me to, I, I really feel like in my world, the two most crucial things, the big, the gateway to everything else are acceptance and surrender. Mm-hmm. Those two things, that's where everything begins. And uh, and that's for a spiritually lived life. That's for the whole, that's for a recovered life. That is just for a comfortable, peaceful life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you name it. That's And so acceptance is huge. And accepting what? Because Accept- I think these are universal truths, regardless of type. Accepting who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, it's like Richard Rohr says, you got to make friends with the shadow side, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can certainly make strides and not let it lead the way it wants to lead, or mm-hmm. in my case, has led for years at a time. But I, you know, I have to, I, I have... A lot, you know, the the thing, just being sort of an emotional conduit has um, has some real positive benefits for me, but it also means that I'm going to ride tides. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole thing of fours, <laughs> I'm running the emotional gamut mm-hmm. hour to hour. You yeah. know, it's like, I don't want to live anymore. Life is great, yeah. you know, oh, and yeah. everything in between. Oh, yeah. So... Um, that's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't have to give it a lot of power necessarily. Some days I am going to give it some power and just let it and 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 let it have its say. And I don't know. I, that that's what ex- acceptance begins at home. Acceptance uh, begins with me. Right. And I cannot accept you if I cannot accept me. I can't accept anything if I can't accept me. And so that's that's what I'm saying about that. All right. So what about surrender? Surrender is, well, it's along the same lines, but I also think surrendering to to who and what I am, but also, and for me, the spiritual piece is I I surrender to a power greater than myself, Mm -hmm. you know, because I have already, (laughs) I've already made it very clear that I am not the person that should be running the show for me. Uh, I, I, you know, 
<laughs> and so, but I think any kind of surrender involves recognizing that we do not have all the answers. Mm-hmm. So even people that don't want to use God language and there is, you know, there is a place of surrender for all of us where mm-hmm. we say, you know what, I need better wisdom, mm-hmm. whether that is in multiple counselors or one good one or, you know, just something higher than me mm-hmm. today, right now. Mm-hmm. And I also, that surrender piece is very much becoming right-sized. Mm, so, tell me about that. What, what gets so the, right-sized? So the right-sizedness goes with that friend among friend, mm-hmm. worker among workers. I don't need to get too full of myself, and I don't need to be rolling around on the ground thinking, I am shit, I am nothing, mm-hmm. I am, you know, I don't deserve to, uh, even a smile. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like And ridiculous. a grandiose narcissism. It's, yeah, they go together. They're two sides of the same coin. So right-sized is... I'm a human being. I have good parts. I have bad parts. I'm here with everybody else. Mm. So this is incredible. I mean, you just said about 40 things that this is for all types. This isn't just about fours, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's oh, yeah. also part of the healing journey for every single type, right? right? right. Which is surrender and acceptance of, right. as you mentioned, and integrating the, the shadow right. into the self, right? In a way right. that's healthy. Right. Um, and diffuses its power, you know, diminishes right. its power in some right. way by illuminating it and saying, well, you know, come home. You yes. know, that piece of us that we want to split off, deny, keep out of our keep out of sight. It's like, no, no, come home. I can right. I can love you, too. You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, ho- hold you like uh, there's a friend of mine say, you know, cradle it, cradle yeah. the shadow, you yeah. know, and. Which is uh, not easy. I mean, we can talk this way. Oh, it's hard. But when you do it, it's like this is. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. There goes my shot at being Mother Teresa, and it's like, well, Again. even Mother Teresa had a shadow side. Yeah, totally. So. I like what you know. Jack Cornfield's a guy I love to read, and he he talks about personality. He says, you know, the personality is kind of like a puppy. Every now and then, you got to throw it a little kibble. <laughs> <laughs> but keep it on a leash. You know what I mean? Yes. Keep it on a yes. leash every now and then throw some kibble, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I guess I do think laughter is part of it, but, mm-hmm. but right-sizing the ego, which, yeah. you know, and going back to Thomas Merton, you know, Merton mm-hmm. talks about how the false self, another word for ego, right, right is that dimension uh, of our person that wants the whole world to organize their lives around meeting our needs yeah. and, and taking care of us, you know? And believing every type, you know, um, has an inflated, an inflation of ego, right? right. Or they're relying on a, um, um, an idealized image of themselves that they got to pull back on, you know, if they're well, going to Well, even they get, t- I'm, even we, and I'll, I'll certainly include myself, we get tired of the idealized ego. Mm-hmm. And Merton is like, my, my favorite Merton story is when he asked them to build him his own little cottage on a different part of the property at the monastery because he wanted to, he wanted more solitude. And they complied and he had his own little spot in a very pretty place. And two weeks into it, he came marching down to the monastery, angry, saying, is no one going to come visit me? <laughs> 
thought, oh, isn't that the truth? Isn't that a four? It's, it's, yeah, it's, but it's all of us. It's like we build up this, I am this way, and this must be, this must be acknowledged and respected and honored and, and, and then people do it, and we think, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Yeah. Okay. So here's okay. So here's how I identify that story. As I, if I were a person living in a community like Merton was with the, with his brother monks right, at the Abbey, I would be out there as a four, idealizing the life of the hermit. Right. Oh, I feel called. Right. I feel this pining and longing yes. for the idealized life of the hermit, and then I'd go become a hermit. And be utterly disappointed and yes. disillusioned with it and look back at the Abbey Spire and go, oh, I long for community. And I'd be idealizing them yes. at yeah. that moment and go back to them and go, oh, I long to be a hermit. I mean, it's just like ping pong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You go yeah, from, That's a beautiful way to describe it. That's so true. Yeah. I idealize and then I actually demonize yeah. and then go back to idealizing. Yeah. And, you know, as you get older, you start to realize, you know, the... The solution's an ins- you know it's an inside job. It, Always, it's not an outside job. John Hyatt used to always say that it's an inside job. It's an inside job. He wrote about that a lot. So. Yeah, one of my favorite songwriters on the planet. Mm, oh, yeah. good lord, what a what a genius! All right, so let's talk. A, let's just take a few minutes and um, try and give folks out there who uh, are fours or who know fours mm. some tips on self-development or understanding fours how to live and love them and and just telling fours hey here's some things you can do to grow i'd just love to know what your you're just saying you have a pretty structured life you know like what's the plan like because it's not okay just to know your number that's you know but you got to use the information for some for some how do you do it so the things that are the most helpful to me is I have a devotional life, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I really do kind of keep a schedule. I get up ridiculously early because that's when I like to write. What time do you, what time do you get up? Oh, uh, sometime 4.35. Yeah. Really early. I like and, that too. But it's quiet and I, I my neighborhood because of the cheapness of the land develop, the land developer, they didn't put in street lights. But I love that. There's no noise. There's no light pollution. It's and I can go outside and look at the stars. And anyway, so I get up early. I do. I have devotional, um, devotionals that I do, and then I um, I run too. So for me, anything active. I, I like to get outside. I, I know it's really important to me to be in nature. Mm-hmm. I have to be around green space and outdoors, mm-hmm. around animals. I have run to at Radnor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Radnor yes. Lake, yep. Well, I live kind of in the elbow of two massive parks, so I'm, I'm in the parks running every day. And, um, and then I, uh, and then I, I work for a few hours and uh the other thing that um is really helpful to me is i make sure that i have community connect with people but i also do service work Mm -hmm. service you know because i think one of the main issues with the four is we are just champion navel gazers i mean we're constantly taking our own temperature we're constantly self-evaluating and you know i it is not a stretch yeah it's not a stretch for me to say i think about myself all day long which is horrible but it's true so 
what I do, I, I, because I'm a recovering addict, I do a lot of work with other addicts. I sponsor a lot of people in both of the programs I'm involved with and, you know, and, and do other things. But that, it just, it's a gift to me because it gets me completely outside of myself and other focus. Yeah. So I think anything that a four can do that is outwardly focused and driven mm-hmm. is a great thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on. You know, we uh, Enneagram teaches that we go to the low side of two when we're not real healthy, right? But, right. you know, we can always choose to go to the high side. Yes. You know what I mean? Like if yes. I'm going toward a dark space, yes. low side of two, I'm getting needy. Right. I'm calling Anthony on the phone. Right. I'm, right. And I'm saying, this is how it'll play. Hey, man, how are you doing? I'm just calling to say how much I really appreciate your friendship. And I'm, you know, I'm doing all this kind of flattery and charm thing, which is really my way of having him say the same thing back to me because my tank is empty, you know. But I can choose to go to the high side and go, you know, it's not all about my feelings. I'm going to be more focused on other people's feelings right. the way a healthy two, right. you know, uh, right. potentially can be when they're in right. a good space without going over the top with it, but just, you know, being attuned. Maybe that's a better way of saying attuned to other people and their feelings and not just sort of lost in the vortex and the swirl of my own emotional kaleidoscope. Yes. uh, uh, Nuttiness, right? So that's a, that's a great, that's a great tip for folks. Yes. And doing things where I'm literally just one person in the group mm. and I don't have a place of prestige, mm. which, uh, you know, I I think that is a crucial thing. Well, particularly, I mean, you have, you know, some celebrity status, I mean, and you as an artist, and that's got to be pretty difficult. I mean, you know, especially when people are playing into the fours need to be special and unique right. and seen, which is a big right. theme for I need to be seen. Right. Uh, um, I mean, that's got to be, that's a constant, you know, kind of It is. Um, and struggle. so for me to just go into groups, I mean, even something as simple as like, you know, I, I go do things like I love to knit. So I'll go take these knitting classes with people. They don't know me. They're not in my world. They're not, you know, and they could care less and, and they're better at it than I am. Yeah. And I'm just a person in the group and I got to figure out my way and I have to interact with them and, and, because I think one of the things I struggle with is I, um, you know, I have a certain amount of social uh, training. I can find my way around in social situations, but it's hard for me. I'm mm-hmm. not, because I, I get, and as I get older, I'm more introverted. So it's hard for me to enter a room of strangers and find my way. I'm not... I really wish I had more of the aggressive stance where I could just go meet people and and be confident. But uh, so practicing doing things like that, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't, even if somebody leaves me with complete disinterest, <laughs> which even if the universe yawns, <laughs> yes, yes. But just to practice things that I'm not good at. To kind of get me out of myself, mm-hmm. and and of course, you know that once again, if I want to kind of connect with another person, the best way to do it is to ask them about them instead of you know chattering yeah. about me. So. Yeah. So because we've been talking about twelve step stuff, um, I do think, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like, how do the principles of the twelve steps? 
um, how might they help people who aren't necessarily addicts to substances, right? Right. But, you know, every number has an addiction or a compulsion, right? right? So, like, for example, uh, ones have a compulsive or need to be perfect. It has an addictive quality to it, right? Mm -hmm. Twos have a compulsive need to be helpful. Threes have a compulsion to be successful. Fours to be unique. Fives to be knowledgeable, right? Sixes to be secure. Sevens to be happy. Right. Uh, eights to be strong and, and nines to be in harmony. Those are addictions to those people. And that drives compulsive behaviors to make those things happen, right? Right. And um, so I, I, I have been wondering lately, like, by admitting that you're powerless over those compulsions, right. you know, that that's the first step toward healing for us in the, uh, doing any agreement work. I mean, Absolutely. can you think of other ways that, that, that people might use the, the well, principles and practices? In the 12-step literature, basically the idea is that anyone who has a capacity for honesty mm. can recover. Mm-hmm. And so that's a pretty grand statement. Yes, it is. And But honestly... If, if you go around the rooms long enough, you see people that are nuts and they recover because they tell the truth. Yeah. And so I think first, where the Enneagram is so helpful, you can, you know, when you see things in the descriptors that are truthful about who you are and how you operate. And, you know, the the hard thing, I think, or the one of the things that I hear most commonly around the Enneagram is, is like you go in through the basement. Yeah. It's like you come in looking at all the downside yep. of who you are, and then you kind of work your way up to the positive images but really it's it's it doesn't start there so so it can be really depressing and at best and alarming at worst mm-hmm. to kind of have something spelled out that that you read it and you think okay i can deny that but that's true mm-hmm. i am that way yeah and so i think we start by telling the truth and the other thing that I love about the 12 steps is it's 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 a peacemaking project. Mm-hmm. We make peace with ourselves, we make peace with a, whatever higher power or god of our understanding. We make peace with others through if we need to make amends to them or if we need to forgive them, mm-hmm. we make peace. And um that is that has been my experience and we kind of stay current with our issues. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, for me, as a, I really maintain those, the 12 steps, and anybody can go look at the 12 steps online. Mm-hmm. And, and that, by it way, is, I think everybody should read the big book of AA because it's, uh, it's maybe it's fantastic. Yeah, it's maybe the most ignored piece of American literature on mm-hmm. every syllabus for an English major and every yeah. university in the country. It just blows my mind that that's not mandatory reading in an, in an English course. Somewhere. I feel the same. I mean, it really has changed my life in, in the most magnificent way. And it's 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 good fencing. It's a way to keep it in the road. Mm-hmm. And and as these, you know, and it gives, for me, when 
these issues come up that I that, or behaviors that are self-destructive and hurt me and hurt other people, they come up, it gives me a way to deal with them. Right. You know, sure. and, and instead of just saying, well, yeah, I do that. I wish I didn't. Yeah. And that's that's a great principle for people just who aren't necessarily substance abusers who can just use it working with the Enneagram. You know, right. you got a compulsion. Here's right. what it is. Yeah, it's right. dark. Right? right. It can be manipulative or guaranteed it's manipulative. Right. You're training people to respond to you in a particular way. Uh, that's useful to you. Right. Um, you're right. I mean, yes. and you're um, it and it always does. This is true of therapy. Again, universal principle. Things always get worse before they get better Thank when you, you start working on yeah. yourself. Yeah. You know, you all we it's all come so in through true. the basement. Yeah. You know, if you if you don't, you ought to be a little suspicious. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And 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 then the the journey is all right begins with honest self-reflection owning your junk you know what i mean like oh that's my stuff right there uh you you then begin to um observe yourself to be know what your your stuff your you know your patterns are that your personality patterns that are not Mm -hmm. healthy observe them learn to develop an inner observer and then learn to regulate i mean gosh self-regulation you know to be able to say okay i've just plunged into envy as a four that's right. my deadly sin man i'll tell you right. envy i go back i remember hear, reading about envy and thinking oh oh my gosh i spent my entire childhood mm-hmm. looking at everybody else thinking your lives are perfect yes. and my life is yeah like epically yes. full of suffering yes. <laughs> you know and yeah. horror and terror you know and yeah. all that stuff and, and, you know, when I feel that flag go up and observe it with love and compassion, I can look at it and say, now, is this the story you want to live in right now? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, because you, you do have a choice because you, you yeah. can see it and you know that's your thing. It, yes. You know that's an addiction for you. Do you want to pull back on the wheel? You want to go all the way in because <laughs> if you do, it could be two or three days before you come out. You know, it's like, and you want to lose those two or three days? Yeah. Um, so anyhow. Yeah. Will you sing a song for us? Yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, we've, you know, we've had some of the best songwriters and singers in oh, town Oh, don't tell here. me that. I might no, get jealous you're part of and them. I won't no, be able no, to go on. No, no, no. My darling, you are in the Parthenon of greatness. You are, you are among the greats, the, the towering, you know, the towering greats. And so uh, we can't let you leave here with, without a without a song. What do you got for us? So, uh, like I said earlier, you, this record is, is, is a lot about my life and the things that matter to me. And so... I'm going to do a song, uh, it's about my youngest child, and it's uh, Lily, and it's also about, so in the Smoky Mountains, which figure largely in the in my life, um, there is a phenomenon called synchronized fireflies, mm-hmm. and so the fireflies, once a year, and it only happens in the Smokies and one other place in the world, they, once a year they mass by the thousands, and they sync up. So they light up together and they go dark together. And it's it's this unbelievable light show in the in the forest. And I've seen it twice. Mm. And um and so I wanted to you know, I sort of compare watching my children become adults and leaving home and stepping into their lives you know they they're lighting up from the inside too and they're they're and and then they go dark and then they light up and then they go dark i mean it's it's funny it's like you think if you can get through high school 
you've got it made in the shade if your kids and but adult children come with adult problems oh, man. and so this stretch of road is has its own tremendous challenges for both the kids who are now adults and the parents that love them and and it's this weird thing of staying connected and absolutely letting them go and um so you know i tried to kind of comment uh, as i <laughs> make a comment on it <laughs> <laughs> well while you're putting your guitar on i want to remind people that the the name of your new record is one more song and uh I'm assuming ask the people go to your website ashleycleveland.com yeah, find it there. Amazon or you know yep, it's Amazon, out, Spotify, it's, it's yeah Spotify, it's uh, iTunes, iTunes, um, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, CD Baby and um, anywhere else that people buy. And now these days, I mean, you know, it's sort of like selling discs has gone the way of the dodo in some way. But, but it's, an, it's a lovely little record. So. Yeah. You know why I think people ought to buy discs and I encourage everybody to do it is because it, if you just go cherry picking songs, you don't get the arc of the record. Well, and this you don't get the story. Really does have, a, have an arc and it's not too long, I would like to just announce. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. And of course, to people, again, your website is ashleycleveland.com. Yes. Your books, Little Black Sheep. Uh, I wrote a memoir a few years ago called Little Black Sheep. And then I just finished a book that I'm really having fun with it's called 85 things or i'm actually finishing it 85 things i like about you and it's 85 essays that tell the story of my mother's life and also our relationship my mother is is uh is this crazy mix of outrageous and funny and very erudite and very opinionated and she's had a very fascinating life and so I wanted to uh, I wanted to build a book around it and so I chose this sort of unusual structure and um, if people would like to see what it's about at ashleycleveland.com you can there's a blog post and every week I'm the essays are short I'm blogging one of the essays. And if people want, they can subscribe for free to have the essay, to a link sent to them weekly if they want to mm. read it. And so you can read the introduction to the book and kind of get a feel for it. But it's it's much, my memoir was, I mean, there was a lot of humor to it because that's, Beautiful, that's part of who I am. But at the same time, it was an intense, it was recovery from severe addiction. It was, there was a lot of, sadness in it and mm-hmm. this one is is lighter and more just an overview of a life full of opinions and and accomplishments so mm-hmm. it's and and a lot very funny mm-hmm. so yeah i love that book i love that book all right everybody ashley cleveland all right this song's called lily grown wild Any old crow says hers is the blackest Every mama knows without any practice How to love, how to love her own One day you're counting up fingers and toes Next day you're learning about letting go And the leaving, the leaving home 
Ashley Cleveland, yeah. what, what a pleasure and a, a privilege. Oh, this was so fun. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, man. It, it, I just know that people are just going to be really um, helped along the road, you know, down mm. the road uh, as a result of, of hearing you today. I'm going to um, just close out with uh, that prayer of Thomas Merton. Oh, I love it. That, that, uh, that, in fact, maybe I'll have you read it because I know uh, it by heart. Do you really? I do. Oh man. Okay. So I think this is the final growth tip people should have. Every type should, mm. if, if, uh, you know, you can put and if, even if you're not a person who self identifies as a Christian, you can just, instead of my Lord God, you can just say my higher power or whatever you want in there. But this prayer is the prayer for everybody. And if you, if you just say it, we're going to let take that out as our benediction. All right. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But... I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. And my dear friends, remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde, be yourself, everybody else is already taken. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See JDPower.com awards for 2022 details.